0: 24th April was, as we know, a beautiful darshan day. And so I thought that we'll read something about this day in Mother's own words. But before that, there is a tendency sometimes to regard darshan days as rituals. At least some people have asked me this question that, what is the importance of darshan days now because... We don't go and have darshan of Shurabindra and the mother. There is a very beautiful little story, true story, of Swami Sarnanand who was blind in both eyes. He had his own following. He was a guru in his own right. And when this blind saint came to have darshan of Shurabindra and the mother, someone asked him, You are blind, you can't see. And Mother and Sri Aurobindo won't speak. So, why are you going for darshan? And he gave a remarkable reply. He said, even if I had eyes, how much would I be able to see? It's so true that darshan is not just about seeing. Actually, we it's much more than that. Our mortal eyes are a great limitation. And that's why to have darshan of the Lord sages and seers had to do so much tapasya, just to have a glimpse, but since it is so difficult for man to reach out to the divine, the divine comes down to us, assumes a human body, comes in our midst, comes close to us, and that becomes darshan, because it is a descent of the divine in a mortal frame in a physical body. It is the touch of the higher consciousness, of the divine consciousness upon matter. It reinvigorates matter, that thick shield which conceals the divine. That is how darshan days used to be. It started with Surbindra and the mother's Darshan on their birthdays, particularly on their birthdays. We know that Darshan Day started in 1927. First darshan being 21st February after Shurubindu had withdrawn, giving the charge of the ashram to the mother. So the first darshan day was 21st February 1927. Then it continued. There were three darshans February, 15th August, and 24th November, the Siddhi day. But 1938, when Shurubindu was busy protecting the mother, it was a battlefield inwardly and outwardly with the Second World War turning round the corner, Shirobindo had a fracture. There is something very interesting that Shirobindo reveals about that. And initially, if you read through this casually, we don't catch it. But if we read it again, it hits us hard. So when Shirobindo was asked about the fracture, he says something very interesting. He said, till then... I had never experienced so intense a pain that could not be converted into ananda. Now, basically the divine is ananda. Whatever comes into his zone of consciousness gets converted into ananda. It's equivalent of ananda. So, divine consciousness assuming a mortal body and going through the most intense possible pain, sudden pain... He said, for a few moments, it was difficult for me to convert it into ananda. And then, yes, I succeeded. Then it was like a kind of, even in that fracture, there was a triumph. It Shubhendu used everything for a victory. So I look upon this event also as a kind of victory over matter, where such intense pain could be converted into its equivalent of ananda. Nevertheless, the next darshan, this darshan, 24th November 1938, could not take place. 21st February also could not take place. And 15th August was very far. So all the disciples requested the mother, prayed, prayed to Sri Aurobindo to grant them a darshan in between. And very graciously, the 24th April was granted. So it is a special darshan. It's an act of grace. So 1938 onwards this came to be included in the darshans and since then the darshans also changed. They were much shorter. Previously people would bow for a long period or could do pranam two, three times but then the darshans were more specific, more focused. For a few brief moments they would stand and pass away. And yet those few moments could create such a big upheaval and change in people's life. And that's because Sri reveals that secret that even before there were darshan days, on his birthday, there would be special descents. Sri Aurobindo would speak about it in 1909 after his release from Alipur jail. This is a darshan day, now we call it darshan day, but Sri Aurobindo's birthday talk, where he says that these are days where there is a great progress and there are special descents. But these descents is not easy for human consciousness to assimilate. So Srivinda and the mother's body were like something receiving these mighty descents and then channelizing it. It was more regulated. Even that was so difficult. People had to stand or move. Only they could come within a certain limit. They couldn't get very close because it was so difficult. And people who had mentally imbalanced or other kinds of afflictions, very small children. They were not allowed because they can't contain, even though it was so much regulated. And that's what the mother says is the role of the avatar. He embodies the new consciousness. It's not that Sri and the mother had to achieve the supramental consciousness. But the difficulty was how to make matter ready and humanity ready to receive it. This was a big challenge before them. So these darshan days were like days when like a Shiva... He would receive the Ganges, mighty influx, and then pass it on to earth and humanity, and hence the whole arrangement. This continues, though, because of this descent and before the descent, there are there is often an upsurge even of dark forces. The mother has spoken about it. Shubinda has said these are days of special descents and special resistances. Sometimes the disciples would feel as if there is no joy. They would feel as if, you know, all kinds of problems coming up. And Sri Aurobindo said, yes, these are also days of special resistances. Sometimes we will see that for no reason, just before Darshan Day, there would be a fight, there would be a quarrel, there would be a disturbance. As if that atmosphere, the mood in which we are to enter is to be prevented. And even during the day. So this, these things happen. And the mother said that subsequently that these descents after the supramental manifestation take place more often and unexpectedly. So now it's like we have to be prepared for the darshan day any day. We don't know when this descent will take place. And we have to be ready like Meera's famous bhajan where she says, Sunire hari aavan ki avaj. So you know she is waiting. Or like Shabri, don't know which day Rama will come. Don't know when Krishna will manifest. Maybe midnight and we have to be so vigilant and receptive. So this is just a little background. But 24th April assumes a very special day in in the context of the Darshan days and the events in the ashram. Mother has given significance to each of the Darshan days. And for 15th August she has said something amazing. It is a day of great amnesties when big errors are pardoned amnesties is when you are forgiven many things it's like you know you may have committed huge crime but you go to the president appeal it and president suddenly on 15th august or 26 january it happens in you know in india so they are pardoned so they are released from jail so 15th august is a day of great amnesties so when many huge sins they are all pardoned they are set aside the lord cancels them all the past mistakes are effaced So for 24th April, she said it's a tangible sign of decisive victory over adverse forces. It was a tangible sign. Very strangely, if you look into the Itihas history of 24th April, there are many interesting events that have taken place on 24th April in the history of mankind. Right in the BC era, and at least two events are directly connected with Mother. So one of them is when way back in Egypt... Maybe some thousand BC, I don't remember, very poor with dates. When uh, Queen Hatsheput, who was a previous incarnation of the mother, assumed charge over the Pharaoh kingdom, she's an interesting lady Pharaoh and she created many revolutionary changes within Egypt. We all know that she was a partial incarnation of the mother, it's because the crown. Prince was too young, so she is the one who actually managed. And she also opened a sun temple, or the temple dedicated to Ra, the god sun, whose charter reads very much like Oroville. So this was an event which took place on 24th April. Not 1920, of course. Another event which took place on 24th April was the siege of Troy. The Greeks entered into Troy. We know this event is also intimately connected with the mother and window And of course 1920, the mother's final return. So it's worth dwelling into this event. Why has the mother called it as the sure sign, the, the tangible sign? Because they are coming together. When they came together and met for the first time, mother had started the new manifestation. She had already received the new manifestation and she was waiting for a propitious spot. And an ideal society where it could be manifested. So she started the new idea, Arya started, Honesty Society started, not Honesty Society, but a Honesty Business, some kind of a business. She started it right away. But Earth is not ready, Mankind is not ready. We cannot imagine the situation then. Even in 1920, 26, people asked her the question, Who is she? Why is she given such a place of importance? This was the kind of mindset of humanity it's not ready for a new creation it it understands traditional yoga it understands ascetic yoga the arya was not yet there so many things were there and of course the forces that act behind individuals also act at a collective level the war came up to make sure that they cannot be together and sure enough Shobindo doesn't ask the mother to stay and she has to go back the world is not ready And then a whole range of experiences and situations and many things take place and then she returns back. Everything ultimately arranges back and in a very interesting way. So let me read about that. But there is an interesting prelude to this conversation from the agenda. Let me see if I put the date. Right now I I don't see the date but uh, well it's from the agenda. I think it is October 10th, 1958. Here the mother speaks about a book. She says, I wish I I wrote a book on Shurabindu. So what kind of book mother will write? So you know, it's good to see that. My book, mother is saying, my book, of course, would be what I have known of Shurabindu. And on a supreme level, what I have known of Shurabindu is... What I have been able to perceive of the Avatar, she says, if I were to write a book, I would straight away reveal who Shirbindo is, the Avatar, what he represents. That's how I see him. So what I have known of Shirbindo expressed spontaneously, with a minimum of external events, the very minimum. Mother and Shrivindo were never, never keen about talking about their life of course in a frivolous way and most so in purely as in an external mechanical way because it took away the truth out of it. It's like a falsehood because there is a truth behind each and every event as we we will see now in our own words and if that is not given then it becomes a kind of falsehood. So she says keep minimum of this but with all the experiences of our meetings at that time this opened that At that moment, I realized this, or saw that, or felt something else. And then I was able to do such and such, and all of it was Sri I know it would create a furor if I wrote a book. Even the Divine Mother knows nobody is ready to accept such a book, where one reveals Sri as an avatar. So she says, I know if I were to write such a book, it would create a furor. And then she says, what kind of book it will be? A philosophical book? No. A spiritual book? No. Just a nice little common sense book. That's what they would see. See, Amazing, very powerful background to this. And then she comes to revealing some of it. For example, the importance of the departure... When mother has to go away. All kinds of things people imagine or think external causes. But the mother says the importance of the departure. How he was present the whole time I was away. How he guided my entire life in Japan. We know there is a very interesting communication. Letters between mother and Shubindo while she was away in Japan and of course in Paris. In very amazing letters where one can see the avatar writing to another avatar, where he says heavens we have conquered and possessed but not yet the earth. And my whole yoga, it has taken the form of the European warfare, like the trench warfare in Europe, where every inch is advanced with a great battle. All this he shares and the mother has those experiences of the physical body uniting with the Supreme. So all this is there. Of course, it would be seen in the mirror of my own experience, but it would be Shurabindo. Not me. Not my reactions. Him. But through my experience, because that's all I can speak of. There would be interesting things. But I have two serious objections one, it would be a major occult revelation. So there were many things which happened, which were of an occult nature. And second, of course he says, I wish I could write but so much responsibility of the ashram, she has no time for it. So surely one day such a book will be written. Maybe it has been attempted. And then she reveals that how she came, I came here. But something in me wanted to meet window all alone the first time. He was living in the house that's now part of the second dormitory, the old guest house. I climbed up the stairway and he was standing there waiting for me at the top of the stairs. Exactly my vision. She has described the vision that she would have and then when she met Theon, she wanted to know because she also had a kind of an uncanny pseudo resemblance because he had a little beard and you know. But he was not dressed the way Shubindu was dressed in a vision. And most important, the mother said they were very different vibrations. Shubindu vibration is vast, infinity, peace, calm, that kind of power which is like the ocean holding everything in itself. That was not the vision of, that was not the vibration of Theom so she goes through that and she knows no he is not the person of my vision doesn't disclose anything doesn't write anything but when she meets your window she knows that here is he dressed the same way in the same position in profile his head held high he turned his head towards me and i saw in his eyes that it was he With a capital H. So we know that mother wrote this in a diary. He whom we saw yesterday is here upon earth. So this was the start of our experiences. He turned his head towards me and I saw in his eyes that it was he. The two things clicked. The inner experience immediately became one with the outer experience. And there was a fusion, the decisive shock. But this was merely the beginning of my vision. So very often we narrate her story as beginning with her vision, ending with Shorabindo's meeting. She says it's the beginning of the realization of that vision. So what follows? There was a series of experiences which she documents in prayers and meditation. Some of these experiences, April 10th, where she feels, 1914, she feels limitless and she says, The eye is completely gone. The last veil has been removed. This one experience he has on April 10th. After reading Sri In fact, even before that, April 3rd, she says, Now I have the consciousness of a child. There is nothing of my past. She could completely annul herself like that. And that's why mother never wanted anyone to discuss her past. Because she had annulled it. In presence of Sri it was annulled. And to discuss it to once again bring back a ghost alive which the lord doesn't want so that's one reason why she would not then there is another experience on august 16th the same year where she says why have you asked me to leave your blessed uh, blessed place in your heart so the divine gives a command to mother you are living in my heart now you have to leave this place so what is the command given to her turn towards the earth and men who have need of thee. She is very clear, this is the mission given to her. Then September 1914, all through we see from September 1st till almost October 1st, there is a progressive identification with the Divine Mother. Some of these presen- uh, prayers are beautifully uh, translated by Shurabindo, where Shurabindo say, uh, where Mother says that our Divine Mother is with us. It's a triumphal march and she has promised all her help and eventually she completely fuses. So there are moments when she is identified with the earth praying and there are moments when she is the divine mother who blesses and she speaks about this double identification. So when somebody asks you is that is it that in, on 24th November 1926 you realize that she is the divine mother that's why you gave her the charge? She says no. Much, much, much before that. So, of course, uh, Chyabindra knew she is the Divine Mother when Barinda asked him, what did you see when you saw the Mother? He said, she is born free. And that's why the Mother never believed in obeying any authority except the Divine. This was the sign of freedom which she asserted. She would say, "I, uh, I obey no government, no authority, nobody. And she would speak only for the master. Not for any doctrine, not for any cult, not for any sect. Because she had already realized that inner freedom. With this freedom comes this state. So she says, says that. It was the start. Then March 1915, when mother leaves Pondicherry, she speaks about the great exile. She says, ha, solitude. I am exiled from every spiritual happiness. So first the Lord says leave the blessed heart. Then exiled from every spiritual happiness and then she says something very interesting. She says and I have been told it is denied to me to get back into that state of spiritual consciousness into that identification. It is denied to her. I am not allowed to do this. So she has to identify completely with the darkness. If you see through those prayers there is a progressive identification with all the darkness of this world which was also manifested in someone who was near her and she takes that burden and carries it and mother says in one of the prayers why have you first she says spare me not the calvary (laughs) calvary is the cross that she must bear and then she says later on is it really necessary because i have to leave completely the inner i have to renounce this spiritual beatitude and ananda, and then she accepts it. So she goes through series of experiences which are extremely dark and difficult and dangerous, because that was the whole play of adverse forces in matter. What she has done, how she has done, that's a silent part of the story. But we know have some glimpses when Mother would visit the uh, people in the war who were dying or who were injured and she would look into their eyes and see oh all this pain is preparing matter to be receptive to the divine force she makes those observations then she offers her body in a holocaust she says all this battle that is going on all the pain and anguish may this come to me monstrous forces have swept upon earth and all kinds of things she has revealed only one small bit about the plague in Japan (laughs) but that is nothing compared to all the darknesses that she was grappling with. So she was fighting with the adverse forces throughout that period because she wanted to change them. A ten-month sojourn in Pondicherry, five years of separation, then the return to Pondicherry, and the meeting in the same house and in the same way did the end of the vision occur. So the vision that she has seen earlier of Sri whom she called as Krishna, ends when she comes back How does it occur? I was standing just beside him. 1920. My head wasn't exactly on his shoulder, but where his shoulder was. We were standing side by side like that, gazing out through the open window. And then together, at exactly the same moment, we felt, now the realization will be accomplished. So this was the knowledge which gave the certitude that yes the victory is certain that the seal was set and the realization would be accomplished I felt the thing descending massively within me with the same certainty I had felt in my vision from that moment on there was nothing to say No words, nothing, we knew it was that. So she had seen that great descent when she had the vision and then when she comes back on 24th April 1920, she experiences the same descent, both of them at the same time and they knew that this time the realization is going to be. But between these two meetings, he participated in a whole series of experiences of gradually, Growing awareness. This is partly noted in prayers and meditations. She is of course remove all the personal portions. But there was one experience I didn't speak of there. The experience where I say, since the man refused, I was offering participation in the universal work and the new creation. And the man didn't want it, he refused. And so I offer it to God. So, I thought we'll read this prayer. It's a very, very powerful prayer. In fact, in prayers and meditation, we will see that after this prayer, the mother writes their end of part one. It's an end of a whole series of experiences. So, this is the last prayer of that series, September 1st, 1919. Since the man refused the meal I had prepared, with so much love and care. So touching. She has prepared the meal. What is this meal? The prashad of the divine consciousness. She has brought down this higher consciousness and she wants man to taste it. Just have a taste of this and you would know what is what I have got for you. I invoke the God to take it. She has prepared the meal. Someone has to take it to be ready. And she invoked the God. My God, Thou hast accepted my invitation. This she will describe subsequently. Thou hast come to sit at my table and in exchange for my poor and humble offering Thou hast granted to me the last liberation. Till then she was carrying this burden of darkness which she wanted to transform. And man carrying this inconscient, is refusing. He says, no, we are very happy with our ways. We want you, but to give us what we want, not what you can give to us, because that has no value for us. So man refuses it, but God comes. My heart, even this morning, so beauty, with, so heavy with anguish and care, my head charged with responsibility are delivered of their burden. Now are the light and joyful as my inner being has been for a long time past. So the most outer consciousness which was bearing that burden. My body smiles to thee with happiness as before my soul smiled to thee. And surely hereafter thou will withdraw no more from me this joy, O oh my God, for this time, I think the lesson has been sufficient. I have mounted the calvary of successive disillusionments. In fact, one of them is where she goes to the summit of each path. Among these experiences, one of them which comes before this is where she follows every path. All the various types of yoga. People ask, oh, is there a book on Bhakti Yoga, Gyan Yoga, Karmi Yoga, the way it is standard? These are all traditional ways seen by the mind, divisive mind. There is no two different or three different or four different. That's how sects are formed. There is one yoga and that is the yoga that the divine is doing upon earth and in man. And there is another yoga we can do and that is best word in Hindi is Yoga. Mother has used the word collaboration. <laughs> Divine does the yoga, we can do Sahi yoga, we can collaborate in the process. And all this bhakti, karma, jnana, raj yoga, hut yoga, and now many more, as I said, hot yoga, cold yoga, all kinds of yoga, heart lotus yoga, money padma yoga, God knows what all yoga have come in the market. But there is only one yoga, and it's the yoga. Purushopuratan. Puratan. From that time divine is doing upon earth and in man. And Shobindo establishes it in its pristine purity. So she has had that experience and she speaks about successive disillusionment. One after another she has reached their peak and comes back. High enough to attain to the resurrection. Nothing remains of the past but a potent love which gives me The pure heart of a child is such a beautiful thing, such a simple, um, that's the beauty of the mother's writings. She speaks of the most profound things in such a simple way. We often say, oh, my past is gone, forgiveness, this, that. What should remain of the past at the end? Love and ananda. However bad it may have been, however horrible it may have been. See what she says, nothing remains of the past accept a potent love if one is truly disillusioned then one will see this essence if one is not disillusioned then one will say i have learnt a lesson you can't trust this is bad human beings are bad earth is bad fate is bad (laughs) this i am disillusioned that is samshan bhyaragya doesn't last for long but the fact that we have really worked upon the past or it has been taken away from us is that what will remain is love, because that is the core at everything. Even in the darkest depths, there is love. So if love remains, that means, yes, past has been worked upon. But if there is things which are touching us, hurting us, hatred is too strong a word, of course, then there is, it's still lingering. So she says, nothing remained but a potent love, and the pure heart of a child, and the lightness and freedom of thought of a god. Lightness and freedom of the thought of a God. So this is the experience she speaks about that she has. And here she speaks about that when she offered to God, God came. So what was it like? So that experience she is describing that it was concrete to the point of being physical. Of course, meal refers to the physical consciousness. It's always the Annam Brahmam. That's why Prasad is something very material and concrete. It is manifesting the divine in matter. That is its significance. That's the significance, incidentally, of dining room food. It is manifesting the divine in matter. Prasad. It happened in a Japanese country house. She had a number of experiences in Japan. Before this experience, there is another one where she looks into the street sees a woman walk and sees the divine in it. Looks inside a house, then she looks at a child playing at the feet of a woman who is wearing a kimono and playing a musical instrument, and she sees the divine in the child, the instrument, the woman, and she sees the divine everywhere. This is an experience the mother documents. But this is another one in Japanese country house, where we were living. Near a lake. There was a whole series of ex- circumstances, events, all kinds of things A long, long story like a novel. She has not revealed this. Obviously, we are not ready. But one day, I was alone in meditation. And then she describes what is this meditation. She says, not the way it is understood, but concentration of consciousness which come upon abruptly and sees the entire being. And I was seeing. You know that I was... I had taken on the conversion of the Lord of falsehood. So she had descended into the darkest darkness that I am going to convert this fellow. This is the task given to me and if this fellow gets converted, human beings will be free because he is the burdening influence on our life. And it doesn't work out. It doesn't happen. So she says, I had taken upon the conversion of the Lord of falsehood. I tried to do it through an emanation incarnated in a physical being. And the greatest effort was made during those four years in Japan. These are in mother's words, so we can read it directly. The four years were coming to an end with an absolute inner certainty that there was nothing to be done. Whatever she had to do, she had done. With all her occult and spiritual powers at her command, she had tried. With the most powerful love, with which she was identified. There are beautiful experiences of that. She had poured that love, but it didn't work out. That it was impossible, impossible to do it this way. What would be the way? The supramental manifestation. That's why, um, when Dilip Kumar Roy wrote to Sri that I am drawn towards love and ananda of Krishna, and he says, to bring down the divine love and ananda, is our goal also. But we have seen that it is impossible to do it unless there comes as a base and a preparation the supramental truth consciousness. That's what he says in Savitri also. But first, high truth must set on earth our feet, our its feet. As long as we are living in falsehood it's not possible for ananda and love to manifest openly. Momentarily, yes, one can experience. But as happened in Vaishnava and other cults, The moment it started expressing in the physical life, it became something else. So, supramental truth consciousness. So, she had seen it cannot be done this way. There was nothing to be done and I was intensely concentrated asking the Lord, well, I made you a vow to do this. I had said, even if it's necessary to descend into hell, I will descend into hell to do it. Now, tell me what must I do? She has gone into the darkest pit for the sake of the divine renouncing her place in the blessed heart, turning towards earth and men, entering into their consciousness, into falsehood its roots pouring her love out there but it doesn't work so she says tell me what should I do now, it's a very touching story the power was plainly there Suddenly everything in me became still. The whole external being was completely immobilized and I had a vision of the Supreme. So we read that part. God came and he said, give me your offering. It's not just a vision of some uh, divine force or form coming and eating. That kind of experiences, Mother and Srivindo, they had plenty and their devotees had them. It's not that. It is a vision of the Supreme which she describes more beautiful than that of the Gita. A vision of the Supreme. And this vision literally gathered me into its arms. See how now this, the story that started with, first part one of the story, which started with the mother's inner vision of Shirdi Bindu. how it ends. Gathered me into its arms. It turned towards the West, towards India and offered me and there at the other end I saw Sri Aurobindo. so it was very very concrete the supreme is upon earth so when mother said supreme is upon earth she was not just saying a holy sentiment it was as concrete an experience as that like how would Arjuna feel after seeing Krishna he knows now that he is not just my friend the mother always knew that he is he whom I have seen yesterday upon earth. The being whom she called as Krishna. But now it was so concrete. The Supreme himself came. She wanted to offer the meal. And he takes and turns westward and offers to Sri Aurobindo that here is it. I f- felt it physically. We know that the mother... In this matter was a hardcore materialist. And she says, I am so glad that my mother didn't believe in anything without a concrete material proof. So the mother would not say anything unless she had experienced it. And when she said it, she said it exactly as she experienced it. There was not an out of exaggeration. When she said almost physically, it means almost physically. When she says physically, it means physically. Like she says that when she was nearing Pondicherry, when she was coming the second time, she says ten nautical miles and then she says not kilometers 10 nautical miles i think one nautical mile is 1.6 kilometers i may be terribly mistaken in this but it's definitely more than a kilometer it's a very old memory and there she experienced the atmosphere of surebindo the same peace light vastness someone is nodding so i take it that i'm right 1.6 kilometers okay that's good so she felt it 10 nautical miles my eyes were closed, I felt it physically, I saw, saw, my eyes were closed but I saw. And then she says, twice I have had this vision of the Supreme, once here in Japan, much later, but this was the first time. So once she had in Japan the first time, but later on she had in Pondicherry, because she is describing in Pondicherry, she says, once I had it here, but once I had in Japan and that was the first time she had a vision of the Supreme. Ineffable, something which one cannot describe. It was as if this immensity had reduced itself to a rather gigantic being who lifted me up like a wisp of straw and offered me. So she sees that immensity assuming a... And that's why Shavinda speaks that immensity was exceeded by a look, a face revealed the crowded infinite. He has described... For the Divine Mother. (laughs) For what Divine Mother has seen. When he describes pursuit of the uh, unknowable. It's amazing. All disguises fail and fall away. Even soul appears as if it is nothing. It will vanish. And then he sees the Lord of life on two stupendous wings. So that vision of the Supreme. Not a word. Nothing else. Only that, then everything vanished. The next day we began preparing to return to India. She didn't say anything. But started, the process started. Someone told her that we will go back to India. And the process started. Let's get the ticket, the visa and everything started. It was after this vision, when I returned from Japan... That this meeting with Shorabindo took place along with the certainty that the mission would be accomplished. This is the great, that's why Mother has used the word, tangible sign of the victory over adverse forces. She had tried. These forces would not allow her to come. And she speaks about the last liberation. The liberation of responsibility. She is the Divine Mother. How can she Human beings, okay, we can give our responsibility to mother. How can she, she, she has to do it. And then the Supreme comes, takes it away and says, this is how it will be done with shurabindo It's another way to do it. And together they have to do it. This was All this was clear in a flash. And then she says, this can be This can all be narrated in a very simple way. She wants this to be narrated. She doesn't want this not to be shared. These things are not metaphysical. It involves occultism, of course, but it's utterly concrete and simple, things a child could understand. And these are the real milestones of the whole story. So this is the 24th April. And it's so. Each of these darshans, we suppose, we believe, we have faith, and surely one can experience it with the eye of faith. That which happened at a point of time, the decisive action of the supreme, which took away the entire burden of darkness, and suddenly placed her right next to Shri Bindu, I suppose, is an event which takes place in our own life also. All the darkness, the falsehood that comes in the way between us and the the Lord is suddenly removed and the mother brings us close, intimately close to the Lord and her. That is the significance of 24th April. So we will just stop here. Continue next week.